The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is there for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit himself? The Gospel of the Lord. As we move through the season of Lent, especially on the weekdays, it is important to note that the readings and the prayers we have are not chosen by accident, but they all function together. And so each day at the Masses of Lent, there are particular graces that we ask for. And at the conclusion of Mass, every single day during the season of Lent, there is a special prayer that the presider can pray over the people. And by means of these two prayers, the collect, the opening prayer of the Mass, and the prayer over the people at the end, the Church is calling upon particular graces to help us move through these six weeks. And then in the middle, in between, where we have our Liturgy of the Word, the readings on the weekdays are all chosen to speak to one another. And so the first reading and the Gospel are chosen in a way that corresponds. Sometimes it will be by contrasting, other times it will be a promise and a fulfillment, other times it will be a deepening in the Gospel of something that was said in the first reading. In between those two is the responsorial psalm. Responsorial does not mean that we say our response. In fact, the people's response is optional. Um, but it's still called the responsorial psalm even if you're not responding to anything in terms of saying an antiphon. It's called the responsorial psalm because it is chosen in response to the first reading. And so the responsorial psalm always has a connection to the first reading to which it responds. And there's a beautiful coming together of the three readings today. They add up in a marvelous way. Each of them, in its own way, deals with that issue of a fundamental choice between life and death, between blessing and curse, that Moses speaks about so very directly in the first reading. And this is an issue which applies to the individual believer, but it also applies to what we do as the people of God. I noted at the beginning of Mass the contrast that parishes around the world experience between yesterday and today. 
The churches are overfulling on Ash Wednesday, and they are not so full the next day. And this is not because we are dealing with many faithless people. Not everybody can change their schedule to come out to Mass every single day. What happens then, the beauty of Lent is that Ash Wednesday, our churches are full. We see one another, and we see those marks of ashes, hopefully in the sign of the cross, but often in some other shape on foreheads. And we see Catholics, we see one another in places we're not accustomed to seeing each other. We are visible to one another, and in a sense, we announce to one another that together we're beginning something. And on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, our churches will be very full again because we want to be present together in numbers for the conclusion of what we've begun. There's a beautiful symbolism of that. But in the middle, we don't see so many of us all the time. But hidden in our homes, at work, where we live, there are many who are likewise moving forward with us as we undergo the time of Lent. And the prayers that are said at the Mass are on behalf of us and all of those others who for whatever reason can't physically be present here, but who are likewise undertaking the spiritual movement of Lent because it's not just what you or what I do, it is how we move forward as the people of God. And so it is then, in our first reading, Moses has the entire people of God in front of him. And the book of Deuteronomy is remarkable for the circumstances in which it recounts this. It is effectively a long address that Moses gives to the assembled tribes of Israel when they are at the very doorstep of moving into the promised land after all those long years in the desert. So the years of the desert are coming to an end. The promised land is nearby and they are about to go there. So now, Consider the bite, consider the force of Moses' words to the people. You are about to cross over to where you have been heading all along. Let's talk about what that means. And this whole context then of I am putting before you in the name of God a choice that you have to make. Is it going to be life or is it going to be death? Is it going to be blessing or is it going to be a curse? Because you are going to move from the desert to the place of abundance. You are going to move from the place of struggle to a place that is more comfortable. You are going to move into what God has long promised and offered you, but the question is not will you physically get there. The question is how will you live there? Will you be like Adam and Eve who, in the midst of paradise, forgot the Lord who gave them life and chose death in the land of blessing? Or will you live some other way? And when you put it that way, it's sobering because we'd like to say, of course I want life, of course I want blessing. 
But how many times in our own lives have we stretched out our hands to what we thought would be life and blessing and happiness and found out that we were terribly, perhaps tragically wrong? And so this is where Moses is now saying, as you move into this place of blessing, as you move in to the promised land, be careful what you carry with you. Make sure that your love for the Lord is real. And the sign that your love for the Lord is real and that you will cling to him is that you remember to do what he has asked of you and that you try to do it. Note how beautiful that is for us as we move through Lent. And the purpose of Lent is to get us ready for the holy days of the Easter feast toward which we are all moving. But to move through the time of penance into the period of feast is not just to practice self-denial. It's not just to give things up. It's actually to train the heart to live more faithfully according to the will of the Lord. So that as we enter the time of joy, the time of abundance, the time of feasting, we celebrate well we celebrate rightly, and we receive that fullness of life which comes from God, and not that false promise of life that comes from the world but does not give us life. And so then we have the response to this, the responsorial psalm, which, as we said, responds to the first reading. And note how it takes this idea of blessing and curse and life and death and brings it now to the individual level. Moses spoke to the nation, to the people. The psalm now speaks to you and to me. Blessed is the one, blessed is the man who does not rest, sit, remain in the company of sinners, scoffers, mockers, those who have no use for real goodness, but rather fixes his heart on the word of the Lord. And the image is a tree planting itself in the right soil. Soil which is by a river which brings life. And from that river, the tree draws goodness and bears rich fruit. And the psalm says the one who dedicates himself to learning and living the law of the Lord is a tree that is so rightly planted. And the heat of the summer can come, but the cooling water preserves it. The chill of the winter might come, but where it is planted keeps it safe. But not so are those who don't do that, who make the choice not to root themselves in the will of God. In the end, they will be like those dry leaves of autumn that the wind catches and blows away, scattering them and they are gone. One has life that endures, and the other has a false way of living that in the end vanishes. Much like the dust and ashes that we used yesterday. And now we come to our gospel. And in this context of what we've heard in these first readings, and it's important to recognize that in Lent, the meaning of the gospel is also communicated through the other readings. 
And the gospel reading also helps us to understand. And this is the beautiful way the Catholic Church reads the Bible. It recognizes the different parts of the Bible speak to one another and explain each other. And so here we are in Lent, and now we have the Lord. And the gospel reading is curious because Jesus is addressing two different audiences. He begins by addressing his disciples. That would be us, I hope. And he says, the Son of Man must suffer, must be rejected, must die, and must rise. He doesn't say that to everybody. He says it to those who are invested in following him. He is revealing where he is going and what must happen. He is revealing a deeper truth about himself. And he doesn't say it to everybody because the world that hasn't tried to follow him isn't ready for that. So there's a way of knowing Jesus that is only available when we follow him. If all we do is look outside at Jesus, there's a degree of knowing him we will never come to. And that shouldn't surprise us, because if all I had was your listing in the phone book and a brief written biography of you, I would know something about you. If I watched you, I would know something about you. But until I invested myself in relating to you, I couldn't really say that I know you. I would only know something about you. And so in the Gospels, Jesus always has this double level of teaching. There's a basic teaching which is accessible to everyone and a fuller teaching about himself, about who he is, about what his life means that is only fully accessible to those who have invested themselves in getting to know him, in following him. So after speaking to the disciples, Jesus steps out of that and now addresses everybody. He addresses the large crowd. And this is where he says, if anyone wishes to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. What good does it do? Remember what Moses said? What good does it do to preserve your life and in the end lose it? But the one who lays down his life will in the end save it. Note how again there's a very fundamental choice and the outcome is death or life. Life or death. And now the Lord is saying what Moses said in Deuteronomy at the doorstep of the promised land is fulfilled in how you relate to me. This is no longer simply a choice about the Torah. This is no longer simply a choice about how to live in a land of blessing. Because ultimately the real promised land is not physical Israel. The true promised land is that everlasting home to which the Lord would lead us. That everlasting home of a goodness, a peacefulness, and a joyfulness that will not end and cannot be taken away. And we move through this world, as Israel did through the desert, trying to get there and not someplace else. 
And so now the Lord says, follow me. But understand that that's the kind of choice it is. And following me means something. And so right here then, at the very beginning of Lent, we're faced with the issue of a choice. Where do I really want to go? And am I willing to move there? Am I willing to get there? Note how wonderful that is. The very beginning of Lent forces us to be clear about our priorities. And as a people, we recognize that together, this is where we're going. Because Jesus doesn't say this just to St. Peter or just to St. John or just to his mother. Rather, he says that to all of those who would follow him. And so now what we have from the lips of Christ himself is the program of Christian discipleship. This is what it means. And on the one hand, that's marvelous because it's a simple, clear, easily memorized answer. On the other hand, we find ourselves saying, Lord, could you give me something different? So note what he says. If you would follow me, there are steps involved. There is a rule. There is a way to do it. You know, and again, on the one hand, we say, I want clarity, I want the rule, I want to know what I need to do until we get the rule and we realize we don't like it. And so the Lord says, if you would follow me. So the first thing is, ask yourself, do I want to follow Jesus or not? And what an interesting beginning that is. But the first part of it is, do you want this? If you do, if the answer is yes, continue. If the answer is no, we're stuck right there. But if you do, then this is what following me means. This is what following me requires. Step one, and note, we grow up in churches all around the world, Christian, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, and what do we hear? Pick up your cross and follow Jesus, don't we? And Lent is about picking up our cross. Know what Jesus says. He doesn't begin there. If you would follow me, step one is not pick up your cross. If you would follow me, step one is deny yourself. How I pick up the cross matters. It's not enough just to pick up the cross. How I do it makes all the difference. Deny yourself. Then pick up your cross daily and then follow me. How interesting that we have all of this stuff that has to happen before we follow. It's not enough to say, I'm going here, come with me. The Lord now speaking to us is saying, it's a little more complicated than that. The beginner just wanders after me, but we're no longer beginners. Now that we know something about the Lord, are we invested in following him? If we are, then following him requires a couple intermediate steps. One, decide that that's what I'm about. Two, deny myself. Three, pick up my cross. Four, follow. 
That, in a sense, is the very essence of what we do during Lent. Lent is the season where we linger in those intermediate steps. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And in the three Gospels where Jesus gives this command, St. Luke is the only one that adds that word daily. Pick up your cross every single day and follow me. So for six weeks, for six weeks, we live in the middle there. Make the decision, deny yourself, and pick up the cross every day. And then take a step after me. So that when we get to Easter Sunday, that follow me unfolds into a fuller, more joy-filled living. What a marvelous way the church has marked out for us. And so a couple concrete recommendations. One, self-denial, if we think about it, is, has to be the necessary condition of discipleship because to follow is to let somebody else lead. I can't follow the Lord if I'm trying to be the leader. And so following requires me to lay aside my sense of where we need to go. Following somebody requires me to lay aside my sense of the proper pacing. Following somebody requires me to lay aside my sense of when we speed up, when we slow down, and when we rest. That's easier said than done. But the fundamental disposition of being a disciple, of being a follower, is that it can't be my way. So note how Moses and our psalmist both insisted, you learn the Lord's way. You walk somebody else's way. And that will bring you to the fullness of the way that you should be living all along. And so when we recognize that, then the fasting, the penance, the almsgiving, we see what it's at the service of. Allowing a will greater than, more perfect than my own to begin setting the rhythm of my life. Deny yourself. Begin laying your sense of things aside. Pick up your cross daily. A very beautiful prayer to say during Lent is simply at the beginning of the day, to have that in the back of your mind. Lord, whatever cross you present me with today, I want to receive. And I want to pick it up. And I don't want to receive it as an imposition from the world. I want to receive it as something from your hand. Because that's the big thing. And the Lord insists, you have a cross, I have a cross. That's the one I want you to carry, not the one you'd rather pick up, not the one that somebody else is carrying, that's for them, but the one that comes to you. You don't need to go out and look for it. It'll be there. It'll be there. 
And let's not ever forget, Jesus was a carpenter, right? In fact, he still is a carpenter. And a carpenter knows a thing or two about wood and a thing or two about making wood to the appropriate size and the appropriate form and the appropriate weight. The cross that the Lord has for you or for me is the one that is perfectly measured, perfectly made, perfectly balanced for you or for me. And why? Not so that I suffer, but because that's the tool the Lord will use to shape me into becoming the person he wants me to be. What a beautiful, beautiful mystery the church puts before us today. So that as we move out of Ash Wednesday into the rest of Lent, we have a sense not just of where we're going, but of how we get there. And the great thing is that we who are here at Mass today don't just get to hear about these things or think about these things, but we get to stretch out our hands to that same Lord Jesus who denies himself and lays everything aside, including his life, for us. And note, that's the trade. We deny ourselves, we lay ourselves aside, and he fills us with his life. And we come out ahead on that trade every single time. Amen.